Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And we are track walking. Um, Seth and I have been talking for like half an hour. Just We haven't, we haven't solved any of life's mysteries in half an hour, which is weird. Because usually we have great breakthroughs. Not sure that's true. <laughs> now, it's usually what Seth and I do. We catch up a little bit beforehand. We do the show and then we bitch complain and talk about what's coming up in our lives afterwards yeah it's like a semi-structured therapy session it's kind of great actually yeah three steps yeah three easy steps so tonight we wanted to talk about hpde which is high performance driver education track days um and one of the things as you sign up for any track days they want to know what run group you want to be in right they do are you a novice are you an intermediate are you an advance or later are you in competition and that's and they, that's they, fairly they structured like not structured but that's fairly universal those names at least yeah but they, they have you so often they're like what do you think about you <laughs> that is like, the thing that we should probably address that first you they typically leave it to you to determine your fitness level for driving in each of these categories and oftentimes I do see fairly often that it's if you have this many track days, you belong in this group, and so on and so forth. Or you need to have at least this many. Yes. And then they'll give the passing rules for each group, and like, that's it. Yep. What do you think about that, Seth? I think it opens the I don't say opens the door to abuse because that's not true um, I, I think it it leaves open a subjectiveness which creates or can create some significant problems um, the, the problem with self-judging anything is different people have different levels of of ego and experience um, and very frequently, Actually, the the less driving you've done, the better you think you are, which is counterproductive to the whole beginner, intermediate, advanced thing. Because very frequently, people who are starting out think they should definitely be in the advanced group. And then you have people who have been driving for three years who go, I'm actually like way more comfortable in the beginner group. Yep. Which is enlightening and backwards and and everything's strange about it because i think we we tend to do those three groups on based on driver we want to do those three groups based on driver skill and we should really be doing those three groups based on driver goals okay i think it's interesting okay um but as we've talked about people are crap with their own goals. So we would give them another thing to self judge about, which they would get wrong anyway. So I don't know if that's a a better solution, but in my ideal world, I would, I would love to see people at the same level of learning in different groups rather than the same level of, of speed. And it tends to be organized by speed. And I think, I think what's a, an important differentiator is that a lot of just track day weekends, those that you tend to see just passing rules per each group, 
there's little to no actual instruction happening there. There's little to no coaching or classroom time happening. Oftentimes, if there is any, uh, there'll be some for the beginner or novice group, and that's about it. So in those on those kind of weekends, I kind of understand and am more okay with people kind of putting themselves in where they think they go because there's no high, like there's no hierarchy. There's no saying like, these are the skills that you should have to be here, or these are the skills you need to have here. Because why say those? Because you don't have instructors on site to help people get better. But if we're going to do that, we should just be doing HPDs instead of HPDEs. Sure. HPIDs. Yeah. Because if it's a a driver, high performance driving education, we shouldn't be there just to turn laps for funsies. We should be turning laps with a goal of being better at something we are being educated in the process yeah i think there's a difference between track days which is largely what we're talking about versus hpde weekends those are those yeah but everybody uses them interchangeably yeah i think it's just kind of an ease of ease of use more than intention and i think we should think about that though i i don't disagree because I, but, but when people are signing up for an event, that should be something they're thinking about. Like, am I going, do I want to go in a place that has instruction? Am I going to learn to do something better? Or am I literally just going to try to get 70 laps with my buddies, burn out a set of tires and have a good time? Because those are, you will run with different groups. Um, I started running with NASA Texas. And NASA Texas had a very, I don't want to say a rigid, rigid ladder. They had a structured ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and their goal was to move you along as much as you wanted to move. There were definitely people who got to advanced HPDE and said, I, I don't want to do time trial um, because the, the changes necessary to my car or that sort of thing, that's not, I'm not interested in competition. But from the time you started in the beginning, like they had a very clear thing. Like if if you follow this system that we have in place, you will end up wheel to wheel racing. It's it's an inevitability. And I've heard a lot about NASA Great Lakes um as well as mm-hmm. as being just an an ideal, a really, really good environment for starting out from the very beginning to going to having a, a comp license. Like that everything is in place for you to to advance all the way through there. And so there really are some programs that are that are I would say designed and built and nurtured around the idea that that when you are here you are learning something with a goal of moving up to the next level. And there's different skill sets we need to have. And then there's there's other organizations um I ran with uh Chin Track Days. And mm-hmm. that was just like do laps bro and right. and they had and they had i think for the beginners they had some some instruction i ran with the advanced group um because literally somebody from one lap vouched for me they're like no nah, he did one lap he's fine and they're like cool throw him in advance and brian defries and i went and we just lapped um we had our own goals for the two of us during that weekend but there were no goals within the organization at all other than like, uh, don't be a dick and have a good time. Yeah, and those are that was a much different environment. And I think when people are looking at at who they want to run laps with, that's something to think about. Yeah, and I think that there's an absolutely a place for both of those. Like, oh yeah, need, absolutely. Like one is not track, better than the other. No, we need track day weekends just to sign up. Sure, I'll be an intermediate or no, I can do advanced. And you just go and you do laps. Maybe you're doing some light testing or something, but you're just doing laps. And to do a proper HPDE 
takes a lot more planning. It's a lot more structure and um, work that needs to go involved, a lot more people to help it right. go well. Um, so I think we, I think we all kind of get the track day weekend structure. It's if you're a novice beginner, maybe they'll have a classroom or, you know, a person or two that you can check in with, but largely it's based on driver's speed or comfort level. And then you have your passing rules and like, don't be a dick. Yeah, and there's a there's a safety element, right? Be, before they want to advance you from beginner to intermediate, most of them want to see you being achieving a certain level of safety and awareness. Sure. Um, and you'll be out there driving with other people, or there will be an instructor out there that can sort of vouch for the fact that yeah, he's paying attention, he's good at this, so it's fine. Yeah. Now for HPDEs. Um, and many organizations, Good Life included, uh, and this this would be something I personally would like to see grow and develop. I've been, I've got notes and pages and ideas, man. Um, this is the start of your novel. See, <laughs> it would be cooler if it was a novel instead of bullet point. Um, that a lot of these organizations have uh, oftentimes a very good novice program, like I believe that Gridlife does have. Um, but then intermediate is maybe at best slightly structured, and advanced is just advanced. It's there's no real oversight other than like the corner station workers calling out behavior and looking out pretty much. And it was interesting when you said that NASA, your region of NASA, like that their goal was wheel to wheel in kind of promoting everybody. And I think a good DE program, um, their goal is to get everybody into advanced. And then... If you wanted to continue, there would be structures and help to get from advanced to some to whatever type of competition, time attack, wheel to wheel, whatever else was after that. Because in, in my mind, again, we were talking about these different run groups being based on skill and awareness rather right. than pace. So I think the goal, if that's if that's true, which I, I think you and I are on the same page about, I think the goal in any good DE is to get everybody up to the awareness and skill level of an advanced DE driver. Which is arguably an adva- a good advanced DE driver can step directly into time trial. Ideally. I think. Yeah, ideally right like like when you've when you've you don't have to go anywhere from advanced de but when you're there like you could run a time trial session and it wouldn't really if you have a good advanced de session it won't really feel different than a time trial session other than like you have to respect the fact that the people around you like legitimately are trying to set fast laps so like the don't be a dick thing has slightly different implications to it um, there, there'd be nuances and right. Yeah, for sure. But the, but the skill level I think is, is the same. Yeah. I think you're, you're probably right there. And then, yeah, wheel to wheel would be something else. But so if we're, if we're looking at novice group, intermediate group, advanced group, novice, like the floor in novice is fresh off the street never done an autocross never done a track day i'm 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 here to to put my car on track and see how it goes like that's the floor of novice why do they always show up in 600 horsepower mustangs then <laughs> there are those people for sure <laughs> or wagons like i've had a few wagons that have just been awesome um yeah it's it's a thing yeah um so what 
I guess let's let's talk about the transitions because then maybe we can talk about how to get there. What okay. in your mind? What are the core skills? Like I, I'm hesitating to use like corporate language of like competencies here, but like what are the core skills? that a driver needs to have in order to be intermediate distinguished from a novice awareness and predictability. And that's honest to God. That's so the, the, those, those I, two, I don't, I, those, I agree. I'm just saying <laughs> that you could say that for every single transition. No, but, but, I, but I think those like under those those two banners, those are those are very complex banners, right? That's a very simple way to say a, a very complex thing, um, because your your awareness at the beginner level means something different than your awareness at wheel to wheel, right? Um, but but the so I guess it's like what awareness and what predictability do you want to see coming out of? you know, to, to be advanced. Yeah, that's so I'm going to, I'm going to not answer the question at all. Send it back to you, Scott. She's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I, I think the, the transition from novice to intermediate is, I think the time spent in novice for your average driver is m- smaller than the time that you will spend in intermediate going to advanced. Probably. To me, to be a good novice driver, quote unquote, worthy of driving intermediate, you need to be predictable, like you said. But that predictability means these things. Um, Properly minding the blend line consistently. Uh knowing what the flags mean and obeying them at all times, giving good, clear, and predictable point buys when on track, and maintaining control of your car at any given time. Like that to me is a beginner. It doesn't necessarily mean that you understand or can do early late apexes. That doesn't mean that you're practicing any sort of braking technique. That basically means that you can be sent out onto the track by yourself knowing that you will not be a harm to yourself or others. That's to me that's virtually it. Like that is what a novice is. That's what I would love to see novices be at the end of their first weekend. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do totally think they, agree. I do think they need to go a little further to like, do you think you could get bumped out of novice when you are exhibiting those? Or do you think you need to? No, but like, I mean, if again, if we're talking about competencies and stuff and, and this is also assuming that, novice intermediate and advanced all have their own instructors and classroom sessions and things like that which is a big assumption because most organizations do not have that right so like in grid life since grid life only has instructors and novice like we get beginners for like a full season which is awesome um you know take advantage of you know having an instructor on track and I mean, I was instructing uh, a guy last year who was, in my opinion, like pretty much ready to wheel to wheel race, but he kept doing beginner because he got instruction and I don't, I don't blame him. Yeah. It's, it's a, the level of instruction you get is a bargain. Yeah. Now I think that's also part of the problem with the system is that then you have, it's not it's not a problem in that it causes problems on track, but you're incentivizing people to stay in novice and then jump straight into competition Time trial or wheel to wheel. Yeah. yeah. Which go, go to license school and send it. Right. Which at that point, like why even have intermediate and advanced, like just have three blocks of novice. 
that's actually a good question but um, um so i think the one the the only thing yeah. that that you missed and i think the the issue the the problem with novice and advanced is before i liked to see people ready to move on i want to see them have awareness in both directions both overtaking cars and having cars overtake them because that's two different types of awareness one of the problems i see in novice programs oh, yeah, is yeah. when somebody shows up with a quick car and nobody ever passes them well, it doesn't always happen but if you have somebody show up with a quick enough car they're looking forward at going around people and they learn that skill very well but they've missed a skill yeah, yeah. That's um, good. And, and the alternative is when somebody shows up in like a genuinely slow car and they get really good at point buys. But, you know, in a year of, of beginner, they've passed like three people and they're not good at evaluating um, like when not to take a point buy. Like this is not the right time for me to take a point buy um, and those sorts of things. And and I have watched people get bumped from beginner to novice just or from from beginner to intermediate mm -hmm. just so that they can be out with faster cars and they can learn to get past. Yes. Sure. Um, because they can't in in the beginner group. Nobody's passing them. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've seen less of that problem in grid life, surprisingly, is um now, granted, there's still, you know, your occasional slow Miata or slow fit that, right. but usually by the end of the weekend, they are quick enough where they are at least getting a couple point buys per session. Um, so I rarely see it happen, but I think if it does happen, it happens more in the other way where there is like one or two or three really fast cars with capable drivers who do a lot of the the passing but not being passed uh except maybe by one of the other quick cars right and when i when i drove with nasa they would send people out in those groups um part of their testing to see what you were doing like you were the fast guy in intermediate before they went before you got to go to advanced i guarantee you had a couple sessions where some super scary time trial guy was all of a sudden in your mirrors yep we do that too it's uh <laughs> um that's that happens on our two-day weekends and that's usually okay. maybe end of the first day but definitely day two so we'll send one to three instructors out in their cars to observe behavior and that's not to necessarily like that's not to try to rattle people like your goal is not to get in people's heads but the goal is to observe behaviors like when presented with a quicker car behind you in this place in this t way what do you do let's see right um and, and i think a, that's an important that's an important thing for organizations to be doing. Yep. I agree. And it's also pretty fun as the instructor to go out there and kind of, <laughs> I mean, there's that, <laughs> you, know, you know, um, but yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Blend line flags passing and being passed, like you said, um, and maintaining good control of your vehicle, I think is what a novice is. I don't think it's anything fancy. I think it certainly can be more than that, but I think that's like the base, the basics to get you into intermediate are those things is to be right. able to like go out on track with these skills and you will not be a harm to yourself or others. Do most novices understand that's what they're trying to do or are they out there trying to get faster? Depends. I don't know. I <laughs> Well, you teach. You've got your ducklings. You teach people. Yes. I mean, I, I know how I teach. Um, and most of the other instructors, I think, are the same. And, and that, like, lap time genuinely, especially in novice, like, I don't care. 
I think it could be interesting to see, and I think it's a metric, but like our novices are not allowed to have timing equipment visible to them while they are driving the car. Good. Um, you can have data running totally fine, but I no no screen up saying plus or minus no stopwatch. Just put that in your pocket or strap it to the roll bar behind you or something like that. Like, don't don't need that right now we'll get there but not now all right so then intermediate to advanced i think is potentially a much trickier one so i think if like if we're looking at time spent in each of these categories i think i would picture novice being 20 percent intermediate and advanced being more like 40% each and that the time you spend in each of those groups is potentially significantly more than a novice group. I'm not saying I disagree with you. What you're going to have to convince me to agree with you. All right. I I want to know, I want to know in your, okay, go ahead. I, I want to know in your opinion, what the, what the, the skills upgrade in intermediate is what are you trying to you never you never answered for novice so this is back on you what do you think an intermediate competent like what what does an intermediate need to have in order to then be differentiated or then to be able to say you can now go into advanced i think because we should say that like the skill set you come into any group is not the same that you leave the group with. Right. We're just saying like base level to get into this group, these are the things that you should have. My opinion is that that intermediate is where you learn car control. Um you if you if you've come in and this assumes that you've come out of beginner with those that full complement of of skills, mm-hmm. which is not always the case. A, a lot of times they're moving you into into intermediate because they need a place to put you where you're not a harm to other beginners. I've, I've seen that way too much. Yeah, intermediates um, can often be just like a weird catch-all. Like you're right. not fast enough to be advanced, but like, I don't know, you've, you've done novice, you're fine, just go out there. Well, a lot of times it's like, we can't have this guy driving around with novices. Like, it's a problem. And the people who are in intermediate that we're going to put them with can handle it. Sure. Um, and and so there's, I, I have seen more often than I like to that that move. And I think they, some organizations use that as, as a tool to, to separate people that really shouldn't be on track together. Hmm. Interesting. Um, um, and and really, it's the it's the six hundred horsepower Corvette on slicks guy, who like you can't send him out there with a group of Miatas on street tires. Um, well, that's because some, it's that's more, something else we we don't allow is novices right. on slicks. <laughs> right. Um. And they're because you're trying to avoid these sorts of situations. Um, but I've definitely seen, and, and the thing is you can go buy a C8 Corvette mm-hmm. on the tires it comes with, mm-hmm. and you are going to be a holy terror, or you can be a holy terror in a novice group. Yep. Um, if you've got guys on, if you've got drivers, men and women, and 25 and 30-year-old Miatas on street tires, like it's going to be weird out there. Yep. And I think the level of competence that that we require for people in very fast cars is lower than the level of competence for people in slower cars to move to intermediate purely because we do want to create a separation mm. and create some safety in there. Okay. Um it's it's a tool I've seen organizations use that Nah, it's seems creepy. Yeah, I I just don't think there's a better way to do it. True. Um, I wish there was. Like, I wish there. I wish there was a way to to someday separate um slow novices from fast novices. 
Um, and there isn't. There's not enough track time. So intermediate to advanced. What do you need? Well, we to haven't see even gotten what we haven't even. Oh yeah. So like what you should be learning in intermediate. I think I think intermediate is largely car control. You said car control. Um, I want to see people be competent in a car. And what skills specifically? Um, I want to see braking, like appropriate, not dangerous type braking. Mm-hmm. I want to see the ability to apply different apexes under instruction, mm. early apexes, late apexes, and do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to get a feel for you know and and understand what those what those things mean. I want to see people going fast enough that a car properly tracks out. So a little bit of slip angle in yeah, s- like, some form, sure. Controlled. Yeah, like, yeah like, like properly I was going fast enough mid-corner that this car is going to end up on the ed- edge of the track sure. on purpose. Um I think that's a that's a re- that particular skill is really hard um, f- to to understand that when you do a corner correctly, in general, you know on exit. Um, I don't know if you hundred percent agree with me with that, but like that's where the the truth in corners was largely on exit because I can think I turned in right or I can think I did the middle right, but if the car exits too slow or too fast i didn't do those things right yeah so i think i agree with the braking um especially like a good proper you know it's i learned how to threshold brake back in the day because that was a thing you had to know how to do and now nearly every car comes with abs and you just don't really need to know how to do that anymore um I would, I would also want to say that drivers are starting, I wouldn't say masters by any means, but are starting to be able to use the release of the brake pedal differently in different corners, depending on speed, radius, that's, needs afterwards, stuff like that. Being right, able to start, I don't want to say interpreting, but... Uh, my words aren't coming to me. I want to. I want a driver. If I say like, "Where are you releasing the pedal and how?" and not have them go, "What do you mean?" Ooh, yeah. The ability, the ability to replay a full lap and tell you what they're doing, when they're doing it, at every point on the track. That would be. Yeah. That's a good one to get into yeah. advanced. Yeah. Just, um, just the what did you do and why? Sure. And, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't go. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so braking, I think, uh, steering, able to correct, catch a slide. Um, again, if we're talking about slipping and things like that, right? That means that you need that ability to counter steer, zero steer, whatever it is. But the well, if they're ability. not getting black flag for dumping in the dirt a lot, they <laughs> right. will generate that skill. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I like the early late apexes. Um, I almost like without having a written test. Like for me, it'd be more of an oral exam. But like, I'd want to see them be able to use early and late apexes. But then off track, I would want them to be able to tell me why. Right. Like why, in theory, why would you want to use this kind of an apex at the end of a long straight going into a bunch of tight twisty turns? What kind of an approach generally would you want and why? And would, really, I think you can you can do that just by going, hey, go, go try that a little bit earlier because I think it might be better for you and just ask them how it went. Yep, that's um, one of that's one of the drills that I I have my my ducks do. Right. Uh because it's hard to explain until they've done it and like experience it. It's impossible. Like the the whole like before you go do like 
do an early apex and go, holy shit balls, I have I have too much speed. Ah <laughs> yep. like and then you 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 get it. Sure. In those moments. Um Um I would want to add kind of the next I don't want to say next level of awareness, but just the ability to show a, a wider bandwidth, mental bandwidth while on track. Yeah. Like that you're able to exit this corner with slip, already know that there's a car behind you, and as you're approaching the edge of the track, possibly in sl- a little bit of slip, you're already reaching out the window to get the point by. Right. Like, we're not talking about drifting and giving point buys here, but well, like, and and arguably, you you probably knew before you entered that corner that that guy behind you was going to be ready to pass you by the end of the corner. Yeah, um, that's the the type of awareness that I really like to see. Yep. Um, in looking across the track and in all of those other sure. things that that is more than just sort of like my car a hundred feet in front of me and what's in my mirrors. Yep. Like there's a lot more going on and you should be able to, to broaden your awareness. When I had the first time I had an instructor ask me what was happening on the other side of the track. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like over there, you can see it. What's going on over there. And I was like, dude, I can see it. <laughs> you're, you're right. The world, the world exists out there. Yeah, and he's like, because that's important. Because in this period, it was it was a thing where we had come out of a, a section and sort of like we're we're accelerating on a straight that goes over a hill, but there was nothing to do other than accelerate. But you had a really good vantage point for the rest of the track, and he goes, "You have a moment there where you can, you know, check your mirrors and look and see everything that's going on, because you don't have like like you have an, an opening in your." your ability to perceive things. Sure. Because you're not really doing anything with a car. You're just mashing the gas and shifting. It's not a big deal. And you should you should take those moments to collect more information if possible. Um, that was a really enlightening... Like, I had one day where I was like, holy crap, I learned a lot today. Yeah. So, to review core competencies like base core competencies to get into advanced would be being able to begin to differentiate the type of braking depending on the corner to be able to demonstrate the ability to change your apex and approach to any given corner and at least start to grasp like why and how to apply it. Um, you know, obviously everything you need to know as a novice. Larger mental bandwidth to be able to multitask better. The ability to correct and maintain control of a slide or a skid. Yeah, that's that's all of that that's, because there's a because here because when you get to advance, what can you do? A lot of fine honing. Well, yeah, but what's usually what's the big rule change between intermediate and advanced? No, open. Well, not open passing, but passing anywhere. Usually, ideally, with a point by some some groups right. do it differently, but it's often right, but passing in d- corners versus just straights. Right. So depending on the group, and in most groups, especially if you go out with the instructor group, which is advanced, these guys are passing in corners. They're comfortable driving next to each other. And you need to have the skill set that you can deal with that. So maybe one of, actually, probably then one of the skills that you need to be able to demonstrate before you go to an advanced is the ability to without losing much quote-unquote pace to drive offline and be comfortable driving offline anywhere. That's It's really hard to do that without drills, though. Um, and, Let's but, do drills. But those are some of the drills. I've, I have never seen drills done for that outside of comp school. Sure. 
Um, and I'm not sure that's, I mean, maybe we should be doing those things, right? Maybe we should be doing a, a side-by-side, like you and your buddy do a lap side-by-side. Well, I think there's a difference between racing side-by-side and just being comfortable driving where you usually don't to get a car past you or right. to pass a car. Right. Like those are those are slightly different for me. Like you're not like in wheel-to-wheel racing side-by-sides, you're talking about how the inside car generally has a much better chance to uh, gain time on entry, but the outside car has much better chance of gaining time on exit and how you can manipulate each car. Like you're not, you're not talking about that to intermediates for advance. You're talking about, all right, where do you want this car to pass you? And what are you going to do to be safe and predictable to get that car past you? Right. Or vice versa. You have this car that you want to pass. You present where you wait for what, and then what do you do? Like usually it's, it's gotta be a lift. It's gotta be, you know, no sudden inputs being very predictable, letting the car know that, yes, I see you. I'm telling you where to go and I'm getting you by me or I'm getting by you as quickly as possible. Yeah. Cause if you're an instructor and you're watching in an intermediate uh, or beginner session and you see two cars next to each other, anywhere other than a passing zone, something has gone wrong. Yeah. That's a giant red flag. Usually. <laughs> Not in actual in actuality, but mental red flag. Right. But in but in advanced, like you can certainly make mistakes. Like, yeah, you guys shouldn't have been driving like that, depending on who they are. But that's no longer a red flag for people watching what's going on. You are watching for the behavior in those situations rather than whether those situations happen right. at all. Yeah. Are you going for a pass under full braking? <laughs> Right. In, in an advanced session, because that's usually reserved for racing. Right. Um, uh, I did this. So the the last time I really did this was actually on motorcycles. Um, and I've done it several times, but teaching people to ride side by side through corners is a very interesting thing. Um. Because it definitely sketches people out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really important to know how to ride the wrong line safely because you're next to someone. Yes. Um, and I've done it with a number of people. I did it mostly with, with my daughter, Sonia. And she hated it at first. Like, genuinely hated yeah. when we would... This is when I used to be faster than her. So that was great. That's been a while. Like, it's been a while. Um, but I would come around the outside of her and I wouldn't let her be where she wanted to be and I would stay there. And so she would have to adjust her line to be able to do things safely near me. Um, and so we did a whole bunch of drills on that until she got to be faster than me and then she, she could just put her bike wherever she wanted to. But she also learned to be an outstanding wheel-to-wheel racer um, and very comfortable running three abreast through sketchy corners with other people and, and doing those sorts of things. And I remember doing that and thinking, man, I don't know how you do this in cars. They're so big. Yup. <laughs> That's all I got to say. They are. <laughs> I I would want to add one last thing to... Uh, to get from intermediate to an advanced. And I don't know, like, and this would just be like an ideal is I would want to see the driver have at least a day on track in the wet before they go to advance. But you've got a love affair with the wet. You've got a thing going on. But the, the thing is like, if you're an advanced with these new passing zones and you've never been, on a wet track before and somebody wants to pass you in a corner. I'm just, 
I, I don't think that's something that could be in force, like to right. like you've got to have wet track experience, but I think that would really be a benefit to any driver going from intermediate to an advanced. I think driving in the wet period is beneficial for all drivers. Sure. Um, if they can do it in in a safe environment where they're not stressed out. Yep. Um, driving in the wet is stressful anyway. Yep. Driving in the wet around other people that you may or may not have trust in is super stressful and will make you want to come in immediately. Yep. Um, and so... I think as a as an organizer, like sort of smacking everybody on the head and going, "This is wet. Be good." Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how you do that, but I think that that should everybody should you know drop back a level of stuff. Like the the intermediate driver should treat it more like a like a novice session, and the advanced driver should treat it more like an intermediate session. And and you know like show a, an extra level of respect for the people around you because there's a reasonable chance a bunch of the people around you are a little bit spooked. Yep. And then I don't think we need to get into it right now, but then there'd be the jump from advanced into competition. I think maybe that'd be a good, a good episode with um, a time attacker and with an experienced wheel to wheel racer to talk about the differences, but similarities, but the things that you need to do, the what really needs to happen between advanced and each of those disciplines. I probably don't count because I only did like a year of time attack. And it was slow. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, we we we, we uh, know people. We know people. We do know. We do know people. We know people who are. I mean, other than the fact that you're, you're, I mean, you're moderately okay at this wheel to wheel stuff, but like, like we do know people who are good at these things. We do. I would not be the expert. Um, but you, just, uh, just for sake, just for sake of like variety, we can get somebody else on here to talk about (laughs) it other than me. It's probably true. So are we, we are inventing our own ideal HPDE program, like the, like the, the track walking HPDE come learn from Scott. I've got ideas. And man. and then Seth will will tell you things. Like ask you questions about yourself. But but what do you want? <laughs> yeah. When, like I know you're here, but Yeah, everybody gets here you go. Everybody gets black flagged at least once a day to go talk with Seth at the top of grid. Yeah. And just, Seth will have one question locked and loaded. And have the presence of mind to be able to answer, and then we'll send you on your way. Yeah, yeah. You have to have the bandwidth <laughs> to deal with me when you're all suited up. <laughs> yep. yep. What was the one? Th- what was the one thing that you thought was good at the time about your childhood, but in looking back on it, you know now really wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question to Thank ask you. people. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a deep pull. Anyway, uh, track walking chats on the Facebooks, uh, track walking podcast on everything else. Uh, leave us a rating, review, rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever else you're you're look looking at us on. L- looking at us, you're not looking at us. Listening to us yeah. on. Uh, leave me a bad review for how I can't talk, and. Um, Otherwise, just sharing episodes really one of the best ways you can uh, you can help us out. Um, and we also need to uh, say thank you to uh, a sponsor. We have a sponsor. Yes, we do. Uh, we've been talking about you and I have been talking about this because it looks have. cool. Yeah, uh, the company is called Tolos. That's T O W L O S. Tolos. Uh, Tolos is a new company that is essentially like an Airbnb but for your trailer. So if you have a trailer, oftentimes it, if you're not using it, like it sits in your driveway or at your storage facility, just sitting there, but you can like rent it out for money and that wouldn't hurt because racing's real expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Your trailer, having anything in your life that pays for itself would be amazing. 
Yeah. And if your trailer can be that one thing, you can be happy with your trailer. Pass is the passive income that you probably already have. Otherwise, if you don't have a trailer and you're looking to try one out, you can get on Tolos and, you know, do a quick search on where you want to pick it up from, how far you're going, and then you can search for trailers in the area and pick out one that you think fits your needs. And as Scott and I were talking, the the one universal truth in trailering is almost certainly the first trailer you buy is wrong. Yes. You think you know what you need until you actually tow, and then you're like, oh, man, if this was different, it would be better. I see people move from an open trailer to a small enclosed to a bigger enclosed, sometimes to, like, something stupid, only to go back to a smaller, like, you don't know yet. Right. You don't know. So but this would, rent one. <laughs> yeah, it would give you a chance to be like, maybe maybe I do want a 35-foot enclosed. And then you tow with it, and you're like, I do not want to tow around something the size of a bus. That's yeah. terrible. They've got open trailers, utility trailers, horse trailers. You want to tow some horses? Um, uh, motorcycle trailers, too. I saw at least one motorcycle trailer on there that was... And actually, I thought about that. I have a because I tow to the track a lot. I use my trailer, but I know a bunch of people who the only time they need a motorcycle trailer is when they're buying a motorcycle. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you go buy a motorcycle from a guy, like, you can't ride it home because you just drove there. And if you don't have a pickup or you don't have the ramps, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, like, there's a bunch of people who own motorcycle trailers who need them like once every three years. It's true. And the rest of the time, it just sits there. And so either you can be that guy and then rent it out to people, make your trailer pay for itself, or just rent a trailer from somebody when you need it to do that one motorcycle thing. Tolos.com. Check it out. It's pretty easy to sign up. If you do have a trailer, it's even easier to do a quick search to see um, what trailers are available in the area or where you might need it. So Tolos.com. Check them out. And uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, we'll be back next week with uh, you know more track walking goodness. So, I'm Scott, and I'm Seth. We'll talk to you then. Bye.